UFC matchmaker Mick Maynard woke up and chose violence. Sarcastic words on the internet as violence, but violence nonetheless. Bet your bloody elbow complained about the UFC card this weekend, he wrote, before hitting the big blue button that reads tweet and setting MMA Twitter alight. Individuals taking up sides for or against. Singing the praises of mixed martial arts' largest promotion or outlining the numerous reasons to be against the UFC. It's Monday, May 29th. I'm E. Spencer Kite, and this is the Keyboard Kimura Podcast. What really interested me in combing through the replies to McMaynard's tweet were the criticisms and critiques of the UFC, its events, and the state of things in general. Mostly it's because it's way more interesting than the UFC is great bro and no bad shows, fuck bloody elbow, and all of those sort of replies. But also because I genuinely like seeing what people point to as terrible elements of UFC events and the way the company is doing things right now. Some of the jabs people threw out that I'm sure they thought were dope, but just didn't really make sense to me included. You've had 13 cart you've had 13 cards with main event changes this year as if injuries are a thing that can be planned for, prevented or that the UFC was happy with any of that in the moment. Another one read without context we just have a collection of fights because who tunes into UFC events just to watch people punch each other in the face? A, a lot of people that's sort of one of the things that people come here for. And this will come up again a little later, this one. And the last one here is that we just endured an Angela Hill main event, which wasn't intended to be the main event, but was moved there because a member of the original main event, which people weren't happy with at the time, was pulled to be a part of a UFC championship fight in a couple weeks and that fight has garnered more interest than the fight it, it replaced. So that's two of those main event changes where one has been for a positive, Amanda Nunes fighting Irina Aldana instead of Juliana Pena. But in losing Aldana from the fight with Raquel Pennington, we got Mackenzie Dern and, and Angela Hill. And that just that just isn't good enough. But I digress. There were a couple replies that I do want to drill down on though, because they touch on elements that I think about quite often. And, and in my opinion, speak to some, I what some of, of what I see as problems within the MMA media space and just the MMA space in general. The first one comes from Nate Wilcox, kid Nate, the publisher of bloody elbow in one of his replies, he said, and I quote, it's very hard to figure out, who the fuck the fighters are, and which ones are worth focusing on. It's it's just not, really. Especially not if the UFC has been pumping out dreadful crap, which is a quote from an earlier an earlier tweet he responded to, or, or an earlier reply he posted, I should say. As they, you know, it shouldn't be hard if, if everything has been dreadful, because if, if everything has been dreadful, I would assume that it'd be quite easy to identify the non-crappy fighters and, and follow them, right? Like if everything's garbage, then the non-garbage really stands out and you just follow them. Is the schedule a bear? Ab absolutely. Spending 
42 Saturdays per year watching UFC events is tough. But like, it's also the job as is following fighters and being able to discern the quality fighters from the non-quality fighters. Like, right? Am I, am I wrong here? And, I, and I'm asking this genuinely. I would like people to let me know if, if I am incorrect in that assessment. Is covering the UFC and, and doing that chore of, of discerning good from bad and figuring out who to follow and not follow more complicated and difficult because there's also Bellator and PFL and Ryzen and Bare Knuckles and TikTok Boxing and whatever else everybody is covering? Absolutely. Undoubtedly. But I would argue that it's also an argument for house sites like Bloody Elbow or anyone else could look to divvy up their coverage. Uh, one of the things that that Nate also said in, in one of his responses is that his people are just absolutely burnt out from covering all of this, again, and I quote, dreadful crap. What I would suggest, and, and my recommendation or my thought, would be rather than having everyone try to pay attention to everything and all hands being on deck at all times, why not have a handful of people that are focused exclusively on the UFC, a couple that are focused on Bellator, a couple that are focused on PFL, and so on and so forth. Those folks all then have the ability to lock in on those events as they happen, provide greater insights into who the fighters are and which ones are worth focusing on, because that's that's the challenge. That's the part that's missing right now, right? That's That was the critique. It's way too hard. We'll make it easier for them. Make it easier. Cut down the talent pool that they need to focus on. Control that. That is a piece that is controllable by you. So control it. Also, and yes, this is going to be a little self-congratulatory, but I don't seem to have a hard time figuring this stuff out. So like, am I some kind of MMA unicorn or something? Like I, I genuinely, I mean this sincerely. I don't think I'm special in my ability to cover the UFC with the depth and detail that I do and remember the fighters with the depth and detail that I do. And none of these sites that I've inquired about working with over the years, and I've applied to all of them, boys and girls, not to mention worked at a bunch more where I've been deemed expendable despite this seemingly uncanny ability to know who's who and what's what in the UFC. So like what gives here? I certainly benefit by having a mind that tethers to this stuff better than it does all anything else. It's always been this way for me when it comes to stuff I truly care about and focus on. It was the stats and facts on the back of baseball cards for the longest time. Then it was random stuff like where people went to college on Madden and just random stuff, right? I don't remember anything from my stats courses. I struggled in all of that. But UFC fighters and their records and their resumes and all of those things, I just understand it. I just get it. And 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 that's certainly something that not everybody has. And I understand that. And I also benefit from, from not having a ton of additional life elements pulling me in different directions. But like, those things aren't my fault and they're not the UFC's fault either for the job being more complicated. Like, if people can't tell you and your readers 
who these fighters are and which ones are worth focusing on, maybe you need better people. And I'm not saying that as a knock on the people that write at Bloody Elbow or anywhere else that has this complaint, anyone else that has this gripe. Like, if you can't keep them straight, it might be because you're not as dialed in on dialed in on MMA as you were before all the other life stuff kicked up. And the schedule went from, say, 33 events in 2013 to 42 per year under the ESPN deal. And yes, cards have gone from being 12 fights at most to sometimes 13 or 14, or, or generally 13 or 14. Which means at the absolute top end of things, we're getting like a ton more fights, which makes it difficult. Absolutely. Again, not questioning that, not denying that. But like, this is the job, right? Isn't this what the job is? Knowing the fighters and their stories and who is important feels like a big piece of the job of covering the UFC or speaking about the UFC or writing about the UFC. There are certainly different avenues you can go down that don't require you to know everybody. But when you're a news person or putting out recaps and results and all of that good stuff, you kind of have to know the people stepping into the octagon. And I've made this argument before, but I'm going to make it again. We are in a time right now where gathering information on these men and women is easier than it's ever been. So it's just a matter of effort. Here's the example. I just covered the four Road to UFC events over the weekend. Two Saturday morning, two Sunday morning. I didn't know all the athletes as of a week ago, right? I knew some of them because they had been on the previous season and I covered that, or they competed on Contender Series, or I just had heard of some of them, right? But before I sat down to do these events, I reached out and got bios, I read them, I did my own topology dives, and then I went into a f every one of these fights with kind of a sense of who these people were. Because for me, being able to watch these fights and recap them and have something to say about these men and women is the job. And in order to do that, I need to know something about them. So I have to put in that work. And now that I've watched these first four events, I'll have a better sense of the fighters that advance to the semifinals and then the finals because that's how this works. You watch the fights, you learn stuff about the athletes, and you carry it with you into their next fight. Even if it's not right there at the tip of your tongue next time around, it's really not that hard to fire up Fight Pass or Topology and refresh your memory. Again, this stuff is more accessible to us now than it's ever been. It's right there. Here's why this stuff really gets under my skin. We're seven months removed from people being not all that interested in an Alexa Grasso, Viviani Arujo main event, which again, wasn't the main event. We play Sean Strickland and Jared Cannonier, another one of those main event changes that people just hate. But less than five months after that, Alexa Grasso became the champ, winning her fifth straight, and folks are now into her. Leon Edwards spent a bunch of years being a guy no one cares about and nobody knows. When he was headlining in 
Singapore against Donald Cerrone five years ago, or beating RDA in a main event four years ago. Those things still weren't enough. Nobody really cared. Didn't matter. Wasn't a contender. No one likes this guy. Let's not pay attention to him. Then there was the stupid Nathan Diaz fight where he wins 24 minutes of it, loses the last minute. And that's the story. But now he's authored the best finish of the last year and one of the best comebacks in, in UFC history. And he's retained his title and is a guy people respect and appreciate now. People weren't in on Alexander Volkanovsky before he beat Max Holloway the first time. I still don't know where people stand on Jamal Hill, honestly. Like, I don't know whether they think he's great, whether they think he's someone that can hold on to the light heavyweight title for an extended period of time. Because prior to getting that opportunity, he wasn't someone that I heard a lot of people talking about outside of Sean Sheehan, who called Jamal Hill as a future champ. Many years ago, shouts to Shawnee T Podcasts. Zhang Wei Li, famously, and I say famously because it's a thing I've mentioned many times over in my career, came out of nowhere to win the strawweight title the first time. When no one in this sport comes out of nowhere. Like, it's, it, it really is an instance, it really is a situation where maybe you just need to start paying attention a little sooner. Like, if someone wins three or four fights... And the people that pay attention to everything start telling you these are people to pay attention to. Pay attention. Because guys like me do tell you to pay attention and do put in the energy and the effort to find these men and women that I know you're not paying attention to and say, hey, look over here. This is someone to watch. These are the fighters on the rise this week. These are the questions I have about every fight. These are the things I like about every fight. And this isn't just about me either. I'm not the only one that is in early on folks. It's just, for some reason, a whole lot of people feel like it has to come from either the UFC or one of a handful of specific names. And when... Those aren't the things that are presented. Then nobody's paying attention. And like the whole, if it doesn't come from the UFC really doesn't make sense to me because again, every week we are introducing you to people. And I say we, because I am a freelance contributor to the UFC website and part of that digital team. And every single week we are giving you features on just about every fighter on the card that introduce you to them and their story and something about them for you to get to know them and invest in them. We're giving you the fight by fight preview. We're giving you fighters on the rise. We're giving you pre-fight interviews. Pay-per-view events are getting embedded in countdown shows. Like there is a wealth of stuff coming from the UFC that people seem to just discount because if it doesn't come from Dana specifically, it's apparently not important. And that's really weird to me. And it's it's personally frustrating and upsetting because I myself and my friends that I work with put a ton of energy into this stuff. And for it to just to be dismissed as unimportant or propaganda or doesn't count is crazy. And like... I'd love more subscribers, more followers. And if, if these are your gripes, if the whole, I don't know these fighters 
it's hard for me to follow them and know who's important, please, by all means, come to Keyboard Kimura. And if you're listening to this, you're already here, but please tell your friends. If these are their gripes, Keyboard Kimura is the place for you. Subscribe for free, five bucks a month, 50 bucks a year. Follow me on Twitter at Spencer Kite. Sign up for the YouTube. I, I, will, I will let you know who all of these men and women are each and every week. The other piece of this and, and so many of the criticisms and critiques, the other piece of why it sort of gets under my skin so much is that so much of it just seems hypocritical or counteractive to other critiques and criticisms and, and points that are levied against the UFC. So for instance, people want to be given a chance to know more about these athletes, to find out who's important, to get to know competitors as they come up and as they're on the rise, but they don't want to read literally a series titled Fighters on the Rise or listen to dudes like me talk about these men and women, but they also object to putting someone like Abus Magomedov or Mayra Buena Silva, or Armin Saryukin and Matoish Gamrot last year in a main event. And that's just, that's just counteractive to me. Like, which is it? Do you want to know about these emerging names and potential contenders, or should they just remain outside of the bright lights until whoever it is deems them worthy of being people you know and people that should headline and can headline and are allowed to be in these positions. If it's the latter, who's supposed to headline? Because it seems like there's a long list of fighters people don't want to see headlining. Namely, heavyweights, Holly Holm, and any middleweight other than Israel Adesunya and Robert Whitaker. And don't tell me Holm and Bueno Silva is a fine fight, it just should be elsewhere on the main card. And folks will pay attention to it as a meaningful fight, which it is, because we've had way too many instances over the past forever where fights that carried divisional ramifications, either immediate impact or like a fight or two down the line, were dismissed and brushed aside, only to become like talismans for a better way of doing things when they've been deemed to have enough or done enough to matter overall. So in addition to Grosso and Edwards, who I mentioned, or people now sort of coming to understand that Saryukin and Gamrot are world-class lightweights because they've seen it a time or three. And they got that main event push. Like that's, I mean, they got the main event push and everybody got pissy that they shouldn't be in the main event. And then it's a great fight. And suddenly people are like, yep, those dudes are legit. And I know someone will say, the argument was never that they're not legit. It's just that they're not big enough names. But the only way to become big names is for them to be showcased. Because you don't become a big name competing on the prelims or outside of, say, the top two or three spots on the main card. Because exactly what I'm saying here, that we've dismissed so many of these fights for so long, including main events, that I don't trust people to come back around. So in addition to Grasso and Edwards, who I mentioned, we've also dismissed people like Mavsar Ivloyev, 
people might not be paying enough attention to the likes of Jack Della Maddalena, Natalia Silva, Mario Batista, Jonathan Pierce, and countless others already. If anyone in that list that I just mentioned is a like, who's that person? The people you're getting your information from aren't serving you correctly or you're not paying attention close enough and aren't as big a fan as you think you are. And those things are both okay. But it's also then not the UFC's fault that you don't know these people because they've had opportunities. And folks like me and my colleagues at UFC.com and a bunch of other people in the space have been shouting about these folks for a while. And you just need to find better resources that will introduce you to them. It feels to me like everyone is, is looking for Goldilocks main events and fight cards, right? Everything has to be just right. And it doesn't take into account the realities of, of the UFC. Like people get hurt. Fights get shifted. Tons of big names and potential main event names have been out of action for the last six to nine months, if not longer. And that would certainly change things as I talked about last week. And like we also, again, as I've, as I've pointed out many times over a card like UFC 290 has at least five fights on there that can be main events on different tiers. Volkanovsky Rodriguez, Moreno Pantoja, Whitaker Duplessis, Jalen Turner, Dan Hooker, Sean Brady, and Jack Della. And we're supposed to just act like these things don't impact it. You pack five potential main events across a bunch of different levels onto a pay-per-view card that limits what fights are available to be main events elsewhere. And if the argument in the counter is, well, there shouldn't be as many shows because then we could do this, miss me with it. Because this is the number of shows the UFC runs. And for right now, it's not changing. We have to live in this world. We have to live with these parameters. And if you don't like them, I generally, genuinely, excuse me, don't understand why you watch and follow the sport and work in this space. Also, the idea that there are these no-name fighters whose stories are never being told is insulting to me because as I said, there are people out here busting our asses to tell these stories and talk about these fighters and why these fights matter all the tan all the damn time all the time and we don't have the follower accounts of some of these other people we don't have the traffic of some of these other websites and yet the thing everybody seems to constantly say is that they want the stuff that i my colleagues at .com and several other people deliver and yet we don't seem to ever get that get those looks make the two make sense for me make those two things work for me cuz for right now for me they don't work and it's maddening truth be told the pro fighter crowd the crowd that is always on the pay the fighters more reduce the number of events always sort of arguing under the auspice of this is about the fighters. We're not being critical of the fighters. We're not, we're trying to, to take up for them often feel more like 
an anti-UFC side than anything else. Because if any of the time and energy that was committed to pointing out all of the shortcomings and terrible elements of the UFC were invested into learning about these men and women, speaking with them, telling their stories, they wouldn't be fucking mysteries to all these people that cover the sport and say these people are mysteries. And I'm not saying don't be critical and there's nothing to challenge the UFC on. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that all of this stuff is a choice. Learning about these athletes or not is a choice. Writing about them, telling their stories or not is a choice. Caring about every card, every fight, that's a choice. And we're free to choose whatever combination we want, but we can only select from the menu items in front of us. And that feels like the part that is missing a lot of time. It seems like a bunch of people like some of the menu items, but there are three or more things that aren't listed that they'd like the chef to go out and get and cook up and put on a plate in front of them because that's what they really want. It doesn't matter that it's not what the restaurant serves. They're here and that's what they want. And it's incumbent on the chef to give them what they want because the restaurant that was here before served Italian food. And I don't care that you're a sushi place. Now I want chicken parm and you should make it for me. But if you want chicken parm, go to a place that serves chicken parm. Don't go to a sushi joint. If you want to know about all of these athletes on all of these UFC events and stop feeling like everybody's a mystery to you, come to Keyboard Kimura. Tell your friends. And if you don't like the product, do something else with your Saturdays. Pick other promotions to cover and enjoy. And I honestly hope that you have some things that bring you happiness in your life. Because it seems that the UFC brings you nothing but misery, and living in that all the time must be exhausting. I'm E. Spencer Kite. This has been the Keyboard Kimura Podcast. We'll talk to you next time.